0: If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5-star-B-D-M, b for brand, D for development, M for masters, dot com. Now let's begin with our next 5-star episode on Follow the Brand. Today, I would like to share an interview with Deborah Lee Eddy. She's a personal friend of mine, a colleague, and very well-respected in the healthcare community. She's going to share a few things about her personal story, namely about how she found her calling as a healthcare administrator, also the importance of a personal brand in maintaining your integrity, and how to reinvent yourself reinvent your brand, as she moved from hospital administrator to executive coach. Now, a little bit more about Deborah Lietti, she has more than a quarter century of being a responsible leader in roles at, at the facility level, market and system level, in faith-based nonprofit public and academic medical centers. Her background includes experience in both health plans and acute care delivery. She served eight years at Englewood, Colorado-based Catholic Health Initiatives as one of five Senior Vice Presidents of Operations, reporting to the System Chief Operating Officer. Now focused on interim management and consulting, Deborah Lee has served in key leadership roles at several large health systems, including interim executive positions with Sibley Memorial Hospital in Washington, D.C., and Crozier Chester Medical Center in Philadelphia. Other professional positions included Chief Administrative Officer of the Children's Hospital at Jackson Memorial Health Center in Miami, CEO of Brackenridge Hospital in Austin, Texas, and Vice President of Erlinger Medical Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She's a former president of the National Association of Health Services Executives and a past member of the University of Michigan School of Public Health Deans Advisory Board. She also served as a member of the Board of Overseers and as a national judge for the Malcolm Baldrige National Quality Award. She is a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Executives and co-founder of the Nazi South Florida Chapter, now known as the Florida Chapter, right here in my hometown of Miami, Florida. And she's been recently named as the board elect, the first board elect of the National Association of Health Services Executives. Okay, thank you for joining. Follow the brand. This is your host, Grant McGaw. I want to welcome an esteemed guest today. We have a 25-year veteran in the C-suite, we're talking about a woman, a black woman who goes back to the 1980s with her career, all the way expanding all the way to now and continue, continually to have that role as a C-suite executive. I'm very, very proud to introduce to you today Miss Deborah Lee Eddy.
1: Hey Grant, good to be with you. Now I'm gonna help you with your math a little bit as as <laughs> as difficult as that is Boy, as long as I was there it was 25 plus, and we won't say how many, okay? From okay. 80s, from 80s to 2021. Yeah, that's longer than either one of us wants to count. Okay. So we'll just move on from that point. Around a long time.
0: I I'm gonna agree with you, but All I'm ahead. also going to be very thankful for you because you have been a trail blazer. When people are 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 taking on. Uh, their classes in different universities you went to the University of Michigan you graduated with the MHA and then you got got out and then you hit the ground running and was able to transcend just being in management being in middle management get into the C-suite at a I think at, at a lightning pace and if you would be so kind just to Help us understand just a little bit more about your your history and how you got into first healthcare uh, as a as a administrator, and what was your driving passion?
1: Sure. Well, quite honestly, when I got when I got into the graduate program at Michigan, it was really um, as I'll always say, God always looked out for me and sent me some places that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know what a hospital administrator was. I was on a, on a, on a track to uh, do my master's and a PhD in psychology. That's what I had always thought I wanted to do. Um, and when I got to be a senior in undergrad, I did a clinical in a state facility and it took me about five minutes to realize I was not gonna work for me. When I went in and they started locking doors behind me, I was like, oh, this is not gonna work. So in the short fashion, literally a couple of weeks in graduation, I then had to figure out what am I gonna do? Um, and I had been lucky enough, I had taken an independent study, two independent studies in a school of public health, one in neonatology and one in, in, in geriatrics, just because those are both interests of mine. And I figured that they would help me as I went along the psychology path I was turning in those two projects and was talking to, you know, the prof about, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, And he said to me, have you ever thought about public health? And I never had. So we started talking a little bit about it. Then I started doing some research. And for me, I had always wanted to do something where I could help people. I thought that meant sitting in a room one on one with an adolescent and helping that kid. In my mind, yeah, that's what I thought it was. That's what I thought where my thought my path was. But the more that I learned about opportunities in health administration, I could see how I could help a lot of people in a very different way. So I literally backed into health healthcare administration. Um, And, and um, it turned out to be exactly what I what I enjoy. I love the organizational aspects of it. I love the strategic aspects of it. And at the end of the day, the product was helping people. So that's how I ended up um, In in healthcare administration. And when I when I came out of school, not having ever um, been in a hospital setting, not having those mentors, it was clear to me I needed a fellowship. I don't know when I graduated from undergrad that I had ever spent any time in a hospital, quite honestly, other than the summer externship. You know, there were no doctors and and nurses in my in my family, so I didn't have those models to to even be familiar with that. So I took a fellowship at um, at Sinai Hospital, Detroit. Um, just because I knew that I didn't know the first thing, I had all the book learning, yeah. but I had no application. I had no frame of reference, um, and I did a fellowship, and that then kind of started me on the path to where would I go next? Um, in those days, the track was everybody came out of Michigan thought they were supposed to be a CEO, and I we're talking the late seventies, early early eighties. Most of them were white. Most of them were male. So that's what you were supposed to do. In my class, for instance, at Michigan, and the class was small, it was only 22 people. Um, There were three Blacks. One of them was the daughter of a physician. So she had some understanding. And and my classmate, the brother, had already worked. So he had a sense. I just, you know, I was kind of like out there. So it was very much a white male track of you go in, you become an assistant administrator, you become a, a, you know, a VP, and then you go on this track. Well, there weren't many of those models around at the time. So as I was doing my fellowship, my preceptor, who was also a Michigan grad, and I talked and I said to him, I need to meet some Black people who are doing this, because I don't know any of those people. As I was saying that to him, I also was reached out to by the Detroit Nazi chapter. So even as a student, they reached out to us. Um, And so that then created my first set of of mentors was was some brothers from the Detroit chapter who were Michigan grads, right? Who reached out to us and brought us into the chapter. And one of those was Dr. Nat Wesley. At that time, he was administrator in a hospital in Detroit, um, and he said to us, "You know, when you all get out, if you need help with anything, writing your resume, whatever it is, call us." Well, that was like the biggest gift that that anyone could give, could, have, and they meant it. They right. literally meant right. it. So that's kind of how I got started in, in in this path.
0: I think that is. It's a wonderful story. And we've known each other now uh, at least five, six years, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say. And and we've talked to each other uh, a number of times. And that's the first time I've heard or maybe I listened to that complete story. Mm -hmm. Because as our audience that'll listen into this story. And they try to figure out what their next step is. You Mm -hmm. took the initiative, number Mm -hmm. one, to seek out an association. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And from there, you were able to get that help.
1: And I don't know. But, I said two ways. What I did was I took a hand that was offered. Yep. Okay. And sometimes people don't do that. Okay. I knew what I didn't know. I knew that I needed that, so I asked for that. But then when the hand was offered, you got to take the hand.
0: There you go. There you go. So those are the principles I wanted to bring out, and that is uh, one of especially. As of today, and probably was even a little bit before, that you have a couple of accolades when we talk about uh, the National Association of Health Services Executives. Mm
1: -hmm. Number
0: one, you were the second uh, woman to serve as president of the National Association. And then here it is in 2021, you'll be the first elected board elect or yeah board elect president.
1: Exactly. Right. Right. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been it's been an honor um, to serve NASI all these years, because NASI has served me. Um, and um, I recognize that, like I said, if Nat and Paul Mullins and Howard Jessamy at that time, who all happened to be in Detroit, happened to be in the Detroit chapter, had not made themselves available to me as a student who knew nothing and others. And they did it hundreds of times over. Um, I know that my career would have taken a different trajectory. I, I just know that. Um, so it's um it's an organization that I'm that I'm proud to serve and and happy to be back involved with in a more active fashion. Yeah.
0: Oh, we're we're glad to have you. Uh, thank you uh, for for certain. We look forward to this new chapter within Nasi. And listening to your story and knowing your background, I mean, you've had. COO roles, CAO roles, CEO roles Mm -hmm. over your career. And I want to hear from you. How do you define your personal brand and how has it helped you to propel your career?
1: Right. Well, I will be very honest with you. When I was on that track up to being COO, CEO in those early days, as we say, I didn't know anything about branding. Okay, and I'm just, I'm, I'm very late, tardy to that party, and I'll be very honest with you. What I did recognize, however, was the importance of maintaining my reputational integrity. So I knew very early on, first of all, you know, I was female, I was the youngest kid in the room, usually, or starting out. I was usually the only woman that wasn't a nurse, um, and in most cases, I was the only Black. Right. So it was real clear to me that when I walked in the room, everybody would see me and I couldn't hide. So that meant that I was always going to be on blast, whether I chose to be or not. Um, and so standing for something and being real protective of my reputation and credibility have, have always been has always been clear to me. And for me, coming up in, in that first first set of jobs as a assistant, you know as as, as an assistant administrator and then as a a, a a vice president, it was about being able to deliver results. Mm-hmm. So over my career, even as I moved across the country, moved up in positions and different, I think what my reputation said was I delivered the results. She can be depended on to do what she says she's going to do. Um, I always invested in my teams. And so I always had great teams. And I empowered people to do stuff that I couldn't do. So I think that was the elements of my brand, whether we you know, set it that way or not. Exactly,
0: because it, it it's not defined. Even in today, right. in 2021, what is personal branding? Right. You are projecting a brand, no matter who our audience is. You're constantly, it's your character that's put forth and how people see you. Right,
1: right. And right. in,
0: being intentional about it is the coin. the word personal branding, to be more intentional about it. Right. And, and, and that leads to where I, I truly believe when you get into high performing executives, that they're very conscious, number one, of a character of how they're looked upon, their personal image. What does that look like? Am I carrying you know, the image forward of what an executive is and should be, right? All right. And that leads me to another question of mine, because I, I know you have this, because I can see that you probably got a cape right there in the corner right there. It's <laughs> like, what is your superpower? We want to you know, know.
1: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I'm going to go back to the audience because I think it's important, if, if I can just go back for a minute, to sure. say, while I didn't understand the importance of personal branding then, I would tell people that are in this workplace now, you absolutely positively have to understand it, you have to hone it, and you have to be real clear about it. Um, and that's one of the things that I've learned from our friend Grant. Um, along the way as well. And so, and now, especially in my own business, when I am selling myself, not looking for a job, but selling, you know, my service, I have to be able to very quickly and very succinctly um, present that elevator speech, if you will, so they yes. know what are they buying. So as I've now moved into what I call the third act of my career, one was being employed and being a CEO, COO, you know, EVP, you know, several times over working for other folk. When I went into my own business and I started in the interim management space, I kind of developed a brand kind of as a, a go to. And now as I go into this executive coaching space, which is already very, very crowded, okay? it's, it's super, super crowded with a lot of big companies and a lot of folk who don't look like me. So, so I have to be real clear when I get someone's attention. And, and, and I'm saying at this point and going into my, my next stage, my next chapter, is what I do is I partner with leaders to turn perceived challenge into opportunities and to help them pursue their passions so they can enjoy success that's sustainable.
0: Understood.
1: So, to be real clear.
0: No, that, you, you frame that very, 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 very well. And I loved how you just kind of put in the value of personal branding and where it is today. And that, that is great. And I think you've done a wonderful job of, of doing that. And we still, artists are still wanting to know, because I know you, everyone has something that they do that is just better than that the average person does. Whether that's communications, this is how you do things. Mm-hmm. Um, that propels you. And as you looked and reflect upon that, have you thought about that? Like, what is my superpower? What is it that I'm doing that seems to be heads and tails above the, the average uh, person?
1: Right. Well, I don't, I don't know that I would say that I do it better than anyone else, but clearly I am really, really confident that I am super at getting people to turn into, to tune into, and to turn up their own greatness. Mm. I've been able to do that when I was a director over managers, when I became an assistant administrator you know, over directors, that ability to help the other person see inside yeah. and then turn that up and turn it outward um, is, is something that, 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 that I've always been able to do. Uh, And it's exactly what I'm able to do now at a different level when I'm working with heads of corporations and and CEOs around that whole executive coaching piece. Because we've all got greatness in us. Correct. And when you're able to help someone else see that in themselves, it's an incredibly rewarding thing um, and it means that they're now doing what it is that they want to do the way they want to do it.
0: I, I think you, what you just said there, first of all, you have great insight. And if you have the power to instill confidence into someone, to expand beyond their comfort level, mm-hmm. and, and to push and, and really unfold them, unfold their uh, capabilities, that's, that's, that's a wonderful attribute. I'm just sure that there, there is a, you know, along your road, there are people that, that touch, you touch their lives. And because of that, they are much better off, you know, today than they were before they met you.
1: Well, we, I, I think, I think at the end, at the end of the day, if, 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 if each of us can go back and say that we were able to do that in someone's life, Yep. There's no, there's no, no, no greater gift. Yep.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. that that's wonderful. So let, let's get some advice from you then. You sure. know, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a, a career like yours? And your career is, it's <laughs> is, is, is different. It's a windy road, right? You, you started out, you got into healthcare management. You did that for a number of years. And yeah. then you switched gears and became more of an entrepreneur. And you've been doing that for now a decade. Right. And to just to, to, in this world, I mean, you're going back to the there was a big downturn with the 010 yep. And you mm-hmm. said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And right. you still held, you know, fantastic positions and you did great work during this last decade. So if you can expound upon that, I'd appreciate it.
1: Sure. Well, I think the first thing I say to people when they say, you know, um, t- tell me how you did your career. You know, I like to do mine similarly. The first thing I say to people is do you don't model your career after anyone else's mm-hmm. take bits and pieces that are from from people that you admire that resonate you with you but follow your own path that's certainly what i did and that path like you say was windy there were some jagged places there was some sometimes there was some holes in it but it was it was my path um The the next thing I say um, is no matter what career path you take, be really, really good, even be expert in something or some things in your particular industry. Everybody wants to be a generalist. You know, everybody wants to be a big thinker. That's all good. But at the end of the day, people hire you for what you can do, not what you think. And so the more that you can hone your skills and be known for. So I was known for being an operations person. I was known for being the person that if there was a major problem, whether it was financial, whether it was operational, whether it was culture wise, it needed to be solved that I could be a part of that, that fix. So be, be really good at something and something within your field. The other, the next thing I say is, is in terms of of that career, invest in your network. And I'm talking not being fixated with how many followers you got on social media, because those are followers. Those are not people that you're giving to, and those people are not giving to you. For me, true networking follows the laws of sowing and reaping which means that when you generously give to others and pour out of yourself, you generously get back. And that comes back to you a lot of times without you even having to ask for. So make sure that you're developing and investing in those relationships in that network. For me, the big thing was the ability to take risk, to be willing to take risk. That's why I moved five times in my career. Um, because each and, and for a lot of people that wouldn't work. So I don't have a 35 year retirement coming from any one place because I worked for six different companies, but for me, the next best job was someplace else. So that meant that I had to pick up, leave, relocate, figure it out, you know, and kind of start again, that may not be for everybody but there are always risks that can be taken so you can expand your opportunities. You gotta be willing to take risk. The fifth thing I say, and especially I say this to women and to people of color is be ready for the, to say yes to the next opportunity, Okay, We sometimes spend so much time in our heads planning and, you know, and agonizing over the details that the opportunity came and we were still analyzing when somebody else had taken and run with it. So just be ready to say yes and recognize that you're gonna say yes to some things you've never done before. And you know what? Until somebody was a VP, a CEO or a successful business owner the first time, they never had that. So you you just gotta be willing to say yes and go for it. The last two things I'll say and, 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 and this one gets people's backs up, but I'm gonna say, especially to our mid-careerist and our early careerist, is live below your financial means and save some serious money. If COVID has taught us anything, and we've, we've learned a lot, one of the things that's taught us is tomorrow and the next day and the next day, we have no idea what's coming. And if we are taking that new sign-on bonus and that relocation package and all that stuff that they gave us and spending it in the first three months and then the company gets bought and you didn't have a change of control in in your package and now you are sitting in that house or apartment that you can no longer afford, driving that car that you can't afford. The worst thing for any of us, and we've all seen it, is to look at somebody who stays on a job or in a role that they're struggling in because they don't believe they can afford to make a change. So live below your means and make sure that you got that that you can live no matter what happens. The Stage last piece, advice. Is, and and the last piece of advice, you know, you ask somebody to give advice, they got Oh no, go, go go right
0: ahead. But my
1: last piece of advice is is do what brings you joy no matter what that looks like, whether that's a profession, it's a technical skill, you know, or it's a vocation. But you got to lean into your passion and be willing to follow that passion no matter what direction it takes you in, even when that direction is different than your peers, than what your classmates are doing, um, or even what your friends think you should be doing. If you can't find some joy in it, it's not going to sustain you and there's not enough money to make you happy. So that would be my, my top seven.
0: Those are excellent uh, points of advice uh, for our audience uh, to take to heart from a, a true survivor who, who's been down um, some paths that you may be going down right now.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I know my audience, I, I looked into myself and I asked who are my biggest influences? Mm-hmm. You know, your influences could be you know people that you could be your your, your relatives. It could be your friends. Mm-hmm. It could be your peers. It could be uh, some certain people that you work for, right? right. Or yeah. just character. I've heard people say that hey, I've got characters that were on, on television that 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 were a, a role model for me, even though they were a fictional character. I mm-hmm. wanted to model my life toward uh, being like that. So, in your life,
1: sure, yeah. So for me, first and foremost, biggest influencer in my life is, is the life and example of Jesus Christ. Thank you. I'm far from the best person in the world, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm striving towards that example of the ability to love, forgiveness, and faithfulness. And for me, that's more than an, an influence. That's an imprint on my life. Right.
0: This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand.
1: Second person, probably like a lot of folks in the audience is my mother. Um, My mother lived courageously. She was spiritually grounded and she loved unconditionally. The biggest gift that she gave to all of us was that she believed we could do whatever we believed we could do. Um, And I'm hoping that uh, that I've inherited uh, her sense of humor. I hope that I've inherited her curiosity. And the fact that until she was way in her 90th year, my mother was engaged in the world around her. So that, that's my second. And my third influencer is—is is, it, it, it came into my life uh, sometime mid-career and it's a woman who has now become a decades long friend of mine. Uh, we shared at the outset some of the same values and some of the same likes, but she came from a different uh, part of the industry. And, a, and so, so our career paths were very different. But what I've learned from her and what's impressed me most, and she rose to the heights in corporate America up a different path too. But what I, what I get from her is she is incredibly gracious. She is an incredible strategic thinker um, and she yields quiet power. So those would kind of be my three. Well,
0: those are, are three pillars of success I think anybody would, would treasure
1: yeah.
0: uh, uh, without question. They propelled you through a lifetime of, of success. Just being in success is measured in many, many, many different ways. And one of the ways I measure it is just happiness. Yeah. You know, so I think if you have happiness in your life, no matter what your station is, I think you're successful, yeah. uh, obviously. So um, so I have one additional question. Now I might have a few more because there's right. always because your conversation with you is very exciting. I love hearing because everyone has a story, mm-hmm. but until you have the opportunity to tell your story and really realize how your story is impactful to other people,
1: right?
0: You know, because that that hearing that story just like we heard the story of Jesus Christ. If no one tells that story, millions and millions of people would never know that story. So somebody has to tell the story. So each of us has a story to tell. I truly believe your story fits perfectly into someone else's uh, particular situation. And that's exactly what they needed to hear or know to make some key decisions in their life. So thank you for sharing that. So tell me a little bit something about you or something that is very interesting that people don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, I am, I am very much a people person. I'm a natural connector, you know, and I'm a person who can work a room. And most people that know me know that. At the same time, now Grant, I'm far from an introvert, um, but I'm most at ease one-on-one um, or simply keeping my own company. As much as, as I've been favored to be able to be upfront and, and, and all of that, I could go the rest of my life and never have to stand in front of a podium again or never have to be center stage. So it's one of those things that I have learned to turn the wattage up when I have to. Um, it was required in the roles that I've led, but in truth, that's not necessarily who I am. Um, and so I enjoy not having to do that at this point. Yeah, very much.
0: So now I get to ask my own question that I want to ask That's of my, because I, as I got through this and I we, we looked at my agenda and I said, you know, what I really was intrigued by right. is just your, your, your business, D L E. And I, I figure that stands for Deborah Lee Eddy. Right. Yep. And that yep. you made that leap. And then for 10 years, you've been doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at your resume, it looks like, yeah, you went in and did some system management you know, for, for certain institutions over a period of months, doing some project work and that type of thing. But you're okay. really into this executive coaching. If you could help us understand and kind of frame what you're doing now, I, I would appreciate
1: Good. it. Sure, sure. So when I went into and when I when I went into my own business back in 2010, and this may be helpful for people to, for people, too. Um, I was working for an organization that hit that 2009 financial wall and did a massive restructuring, right? So for all the, all the accolades I had gotten and being a, a senior VP over a region and all of that, the reality was I was out of work. Me and some other folk too, but that was, that was it. And so I tried for some time to fit myself into another similar type organization, Um, and it was a struggle. I just, I couldn't find the right thing. It was going to mean I was going to have to move again. That would have been the sixth time I would have had to move. I wasn't ready to move again, all of that. So I just, you know, and, and I talked to people in my network about, so what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do differently? All of that. And somebody said to me, have you thought about doing some inner work? Because the, the, the rep that I had at that time as I was looking for jobs was that I had been um, so quote, and this is, these are code words, okay? Mm-hmm. I had been so highly placed, code word, that you would never be happy in just a CEO role. Now I know that sounds absolutely ludicrous, which is why I say it was cold, okay? But that's what I got because I was over a region and I had you know, five or six states and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that I wanted to just go back and run a a medium-sized system, I couldn't sell that to anybody. So somebody said to me, you know what, Deborah, you will have to change your profile. You've been out there so long at this big level. That's not what you're looking for. You got to figure out a way to change that profile. Have you thought about doing some consulting work? Had never thought about it. So I then pared down my resume, all right? De-emphasized some of the things, if you will, so that I could get somebody to talk to me about going in and doing interim work. And I said, I will do whatever job in the hospital that you need to have done. Um, So the first interim role I took now, I'd gone from this quote, highly placed role to being a COO in a very small hospital for four or five months because they were looking for a a CEO and they needed somebody to hold a ship together for them. But what that did for me was it got me back close to the patient. It got this halo off of my head, right? And it showed that, guess what? Yeah, I still knew how to run a hospital. I've been running multiples of them, okay? So sometimes you have to be willing to hear what your network is saying to you. You have to think about how do I change the brand, if you will. Yes. Um, In my my case, I had to dial it back, Um, but that gave me the opportunity to reformat or reinvent myself in another way. Because it was clear to me, once I did that first one, that I kind of enjoyed being that contractor it said to me, you know what, if I don't like this, it's only gonna be four or five months at the worst, right? How bad can this be, right? Um, And so I then parlayed that into about a 10 year career of doing interim management all over the country from single hospitals to multi-hospital systems, all of that. Again, because I was able to demonstrate that I would solve the problem. I could navigate culture. And I could create a path forward for the person that was coming in. And for me, I made it real clear to my clients, I am not your permanent person. Let's be real clear. Interim, I'm good. It has a beginning, it has an end. It was never as short as they said, but that's okay. Um, But that gave me a sense of uh, both urgency and authority over my career because I knew I had a limited time to get it done. And I knew at the end of the day, I was going back home, right? Okay? So that was then, and, and then, but what I also realized from having been in so many places, so many organizations, not only in my own career, but in this work, it was so clear to me that there were so many leaders that were coming into organizations that were highly recruited, spent a lot of money getting them and they would get into the organization and they wouldn't last or they weren't thriving. Right. I also met a lot of people, especially when I was doing my interim work that were just looking to get out. They were just waiting to get out because they were not fulfilled in what they were doing. So it came real clear to me. something's missing here. These people are smart. You know, they paid a lot of money to recruit them. Why, why isn't this working for people? And it gets down to, again, people being able to tune into what about this role or what about this job drives my passion? And how have I gotten so far away from it? So my executive coaching business allows me to help people get back to that. You chose this role for a reason, right? It was serving you then. If it's not serving you now, what's going on with that? Now, for some people, that conversation means they're a different point and they're ready to go. But for a lot of people, it's about helping them reclaim their power and their joy in what they're doing. So that's how I got into executive coaching, and, and I love it. The other thing I love about it is it's not limited to healthcare, because leadership is leadership regardless of the industry. Everybody's always chasing the dollar, trying to increase sales or revenue, reduce cost or expenses, improve quality, right? And create more reliability, more reliability in the system. I don't care whether you're in insurance, whether you're in academia, whether you're, you're, you're in business for yourself. Those principles are the same. So the pressures and the struggles that leaders find themselves are universal. So I, and it, so I love it because I get to learn when I'm coaching people outside of healthcare. I learn a lot about different industries and I'm still able to help them accomplish their goals. So that's how and I got it.
0: This, this is so impressive. And during that conversation you just had your superpower, your tape was just flowing, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I say that because you're using your executive coaching skills. You're see, you're, you can see the potential in someone. You see where they're at and you can then give them the directions, first of all, to help them see it for themselves and what's the right path for them to go into. And that mm-hmm. creates a lot of value, not only for yourself, but for that individual to, and sometimes it happens a lot. I know in, like in writers, they get writer's block. I think yeah. in career, you get you get into a block, you get into a funk, you're trying to figure out what am I doing here? What What's happening? And you got to re- you know, claim that passion
1: right.
0: that got you there in the first place. Is I that think an right?
1: example of writer's block is. That's an example. You'll you hear. I'll use that now. I'll steal that from you now. <laughs>
0: Go right ahead.
1: We get blocked. You know, yeah. we get stuck. We all get yep. stuck. Yep. And um, and sometimes we need some help getting unstuck. Um, and so it's, it and and for me it's, it's, um, it's not work. It's just pure pleasure. You know, doing interim is work. I mean, getting on an airplane every week, going into somebody to an organization that's in the middle of a merger or an acquisition, or the CEO walked off, or there's been a major, you know, quality issue. That's work. It's work that I enjoyed, but it's work. Mm -hmm. Being able to work with leaders, and we're all leaders. And I say leaders, what you're a leader, whether you realize it or not, um, we're all leading somebody. Some of us are leading more people than others, but all of us are leading somebody in some processes. Um, so to be able to help people get past that writer's block, as you say, yeah. it's, just, it's just, it's just for me, it's just pure pleasure. And you know what? And I, and I get paid for doing it. So, you know, what could be better?
0: Not, not at all. That, that, that's pleasure in itself. Right. So if people wanted to get in contact with you and your mm-hmm. business, they might need your services. Can you give us uh, uh, your Absolutely. your tagline, yeah. your address, and that sure type it. of Absolutely. information?
1: Absolutely. So it's Deborah Lee Hyphen Eddy, and my email is DLE at DLE Leadership.com. Um, and um, and I'd love I'd love to talk to them. And I'm also real clear that. Part of the the commitment that I have to helping people get unstuck is also making sure that you get partnered with the right kind of coach. It's like finding a good hairdresser, a good barber, or a good physician. You know, not everyone is for everyone. So um, a a lot of times what I will do is do my best to say, you know what, this chemistry isn't going to work between us, but that's fine. Let me see how I can help you get to someone that may be a better fit for you.
0: That is wonderful. So, that, you know, obviously what you're doing for yourself and for the individuals that need you will find success. That I, I 100% endorse. I see that. I'm mean, so glad that you spent this time with uh, me today. So we're going to go ahead and conclude I want to encourage my audience to definitely reach out. First of all, reach within yourself. Find within yourself what's necessary for your next step. And if you feel that you need to contact Deborah Lietti, please do so. You've got her contact information now. And for us, this is our I think our third or fourth show on Follow the Brand, and I want to encourage all of you to continue to tune in. You can tune in on my website at www.5star bdm.com. Follow the brand where you can find us on Instagram. And then we're across all the other podcast platforms. So from both of us, thank you very much for tuning in and hope we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Grant. Thank you so much.